Hello and welcome to I Hate Music. Today I have Michael and Hamilton from Genghis Tron. How you doing, guys? Hey, Jason. Hey, Hamilton. Very good. Good, good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Yeah, man. It's been a Do really it. long time since I've seen both of you. Yeah, it's... Um... Like we were just saying, five years since I saw you in the last Ironlock tour. Yep, yep. And when did we first meet? 2006, 2007? Long time ago. I think it was about 2007. Um, I remember Hamilton, you and I were emailing back and forth, I believe, or something for some yeah. reason. I, I can tell you how the connection came about. It, uh, Don... Don Anderson yep. of Agalock, uh, used to write, he did music reviews for some, like Metal Hammer or some metal publication. Anyway, okay. he, re- he reviewed uh, Dead Mountain Mouth. And I read the review and I was like, well, the reviewer's name is Don Anderson. That's the same name as the guy <laughs> from Agalock, that band that I really, really love. Uh, it's too funny. And then somehow I figured out it was that Don Anderson. <laughs> and that was like yeah. um, a starstruck moment for me. And it was started up a conversation and then I think he introduced me to you. Yeah. That sounds about right. Lots of listening to Agalock on the Genghis Tron tours back in the day. Nice. Yeah. I remember you guys came to Portland maybe 2007 or so. And then I went to see you at the food hole. One of the strangest, smallest tunnels of, of a venue you'll ever go to. Um, Wow. And we went that was to, definitely our first Portland show, right, Michael? Yeah, I think so. Are I think it was when we did that, like, I think it was when we did that, like, nine-week U.S. tour. Maybe it was yeah. a different one. I don't know. But it yeah. was definitely one of the earlier Portland shows. But I remember that venue distinctly because it was so narrow. And yeah. I think it was a pretty good show, though. Oh, it was great. I enjoyed it. And I think we went to pizza afterwards at uh, Old Town Pizza, or maybe beforehand. Um, and the awesome. tube bar was right next door, and we went and, and had a drink at the tube bar, too, I remember. But, uh, yeah, and then Hamilton, I didn't see you again until Denver, 2015, yeah. yeah, something like that. Or 14, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So, so um, <clears throat> let's get into the new record a little bit. Uh, you guys were on hiatus for a while. How long were you guys in, on hiatus? Too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way too long. I think it started in tw- the hiatus started in 2010 and we, you know, technically emerged, I guess, in 2020. So a good 10 year hiatus. Damn. So was it technically a hiatus or did you guys think that you were done? It was a true, it was a true hiatus. Really? Yeah. It okay. was not, it was not even an, an indefinite hiatus. It was just a regular normal hiatus. <laughs> just a, just a, it was a definite but long hiatus. Exactly. Yep. No, it was, it was totally unintentional what happened. Like we just took a break and then the break never ended. And, uh, you know, we were going to, we always had the plan to write more music. And then eventually we finally got our shit together and did it in about yeah. two thousand in about 2018. We started okay. writing in real. There's a lot of like starts and stops along the way. Sure. Like yeah. there's like a little collection of like 2013 material. There was a little bit of 2016 material and then mm-hmm. it always just sort of fizzled out. And then, you know, every year or two years, Hamilton, and I would always take stock of all the little bits and pieces we had and inevitably throw like 95% of it out. Right. And yeah. Then we kind of, hit a groove in 2018 and, and just proceeded with writing the rest of the record. Wow. That's great. Um, some lineup changes. Yes. Yeah. Can you tell me about that a little Uh, bit? Yeah. So the, so the first, like just thinking of it first in time, the, um, the first lineup change came when we asked Nick Yakishin, uh, Mm -hmm. if he would play drums on the album and, um, you know, people don't really know this, but we've wanted a drummer for a long, we've been talking about having a drummer for a really long time. I think back on the, at least starting at least from the board up the house tour, 2008, okay. 2009, we were like, all right, next time around, next time we do an album, we should play with a drummer. At least it was, at least we were, if we hadn't full on agreed on it, we had started talking about it. And I felt that way more strongly and strongly over the years. And then, um, yeah, in 2019, when we were 
you know, a couple songs into the writing process, we reached out to Nick and asked if he'd be down to play because um, we were familiar with his stuff. I had seen him play before and thought he was amazing. And he said yes. Um, and at that point, our former singer, Mookie, was still involved in the project. Like he, the initial plan was for him to join us on this album. But after mm -hmm. about a year or so of working on it, uh, really Michael and I working on it, um, we all sort of realized that Mookie just didn't have like the time or energy or whatever to, to, to put, to put, you know, to put the time into it that it would need. And okay. so sort of mutually I made the decision. He said, you know, I think you guys should do this without me. And so we, we carried on. Yeah. And, well, that's uh, cool. Yeah. And then, um, so totally coincidentally, I bet at that point I had already befriended, uh, our, the guy who would become our new singer, Tony Wolski. Uh, he lives here in the Detroit area where I live now. And we had met about a year before that. And so, um, yeah, we reached out to him and asked if he'd be down to, to try adding some ideas or helping us write vocals. And mm -hmm. what started as him helping us write vocals uh, ended up him being the vocalist because he was just a really good fit. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So they're both, yeah. I was just going to say they're both, you know, really professional, awesome musicians. Yeah. Like, so that was a really cool experience. Like, because, I mean, Hamilton and I, I guess we're technically musicians, but I've always felt we're kind of, am not amateur, but uh, mm -hmm. we're not practiced or, right. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, it's all, yeah. we're all kind of, we're just always feeling it out as we go. Yeah. Whereas both Nick and Tony have like, just really killer songwriting instincts and kind of could like understand, they could help translate things very well. Like they could understand what we were going for and sort of tap into the to the vibe we were going for and and give really good feedback so that was super cool yeah oh, that's awesome. working with them is awesome and it's cool like i don't know like michael it's something i thought about recently it's like michael and i met when we were pretty young and you know i was you know 18 and he was 19 i think and we like kind of grew a lot together and shared a lot of music with each other and you know kind of like you know, evolved as, you know, as people, as friends in that way, knowing each other. And it's kind of cool forming new friendships with these guys, Tony and Nick, like now we're like, you know, like late thirties and to meet these people who'd like have come from other places, but have a lot of the same reference points and yeah. also different influences and yeah, yeah. just enough in common that like we, that they really understood what we were going for while each of them were like bringing totally new stuff that we weren't really familiar with to the table just as far as like whatever their own backgrounds their own influences right. and uh it feels like very kind of magical that we just bumped into these two guys the way that we did and that they both said yes and uh, it all kind of fell into place so as far as like a lineup change goes it went about as smoothly as it could have i think yeah that's ideal that's great uh stylistically yeah. too it's a little bit different than the previous records Ooh. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of similarities. I, I, I can tell it's Genghis Tron. Um, you can tell like in its like DNA, it's Genghis Tron. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, when I first heard the first single, I forgive me, I can't recall the name of the first sing single. Dream Weapon. That's it. Yep. Title track. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was surprised just because I, the, it's not the Genghis Tron that I knew. But like, how would it be? Yeah. It's been 10 years. It's been a decade, you know? Um, so, but like a lot less, a uh, lot less spastic uh, than a lot of the earlier stuff. Uh, was that like a conscious decision or is that just kind of like what you guys were feeling or? I could say probably a little bit of both. Um, definitely what we were feeling for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think there is maybe a couple like, uh, explicit conversations about oh you know it seems like these first couple demos don't really sound like our old stuff and hamilton and i kind of talking through it and pretty quickly realizing like who gives a shit we're like yeah. super excited about this material uh it really you know we're really connecting with it we're excited about it it sounds to us it sounded like unique and original totally and it felt like we had, had something to say so we kind of like put aside the whole it doesn't sound as much like our old stuff. And to be honest, the album, like as the songwriting went on, it actually got, I feel like it got heavier, like, yeah. like mm -hmm. it 
it almost felt like it was going to be even less heavy than it came out. And then it kind of got heavier as the songwriting continued. Yeah. Well, I think it's songs like, yeah. oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's a little deceiving because I think it's easy to be like, oh, it's not as much screaming, so it's not as heavy. But like, I really think that like Nick's drumming makes it really, really heavy, especially in, in certain yeah. parts. Like the drums are, it's really, really uh, percussive heavy and his drumming is so amazing. And the recording of the drums is so immaculate that it really bridges this gap between having a drum machine and a real drummer. And I think that works really well too. Totally. Um, that's like, you tapped into what we were going for basically with that. Like the drums will bring so much of the heaviness and, you know, the rhythmic, you know, the production, his performance being incredible. Uh, and then just also just like repetition, just getting, yeah. in a, mm-hmm. getting in a zone or you're just getting battered for minutes. And yeah, even yeah, if like the that. melodies are soothing and, and, uh, you know, the arrangements may not be crazy, but we still want it to get heavy just in a different way. Sure. And was it recorded with Kurt Ballou? So, yeah, yes, yes, but uh, because of uh, COVID, so our, our, our studio time was in August uh, last year, 2020, and Nick lives okay. in Canada. And so he was unable to join us. The original plan was for him to track his drums with Kurt, as he's done many times with his other bands, uh, mm-hmm. Baptists and Sumac. But instead, uh, he recorded with uh, this incredible engineer named J.J. Heath at Rain City Studios, or Rain City Recorders in Vancouver. And uh, it was like a big leap of faith because, you know, we couldn't practice the songs with Nick. We still haven't even met Nick. Um, we worked out everything oh, really? remotely. Oh, yeah, we hashed it out all yeah. remotely for months and months in, like, painstaking detail. And then, you know, we had every... We had total faith in him, but we'd still never worked with him before. Right. We knew that on the day of, he would do great, but he just had, a, you know, he disappeared into the studio for five days uh, with JJ and just came up with, you know, just came out with amazing tracks. So we were, um, yeah, we couldn't be there for it. It was, it was pretty crazy going from what we had in the demo phase, which was, you know, we had... Um, the original demos had pre, you know, what's it called? Like programmed live drums using, yeah. uh, you know, samples or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then going from that to Nick self-recording himself playing like in his jam room with like, I think like his fucking iPhone, you know, yeah. just like. He, he had a then, couple of mics, a couple of mics. Them. It was very, yeah. it was very basic setup. No, but you're right. It was more advanced than just his iPhone. He was yeah. multi-tracking some shit. And then he'd send it over to me and then I would just drop it into our Ableton live session and mute out the, the, the sample drums. And you, you had to have a lot of faith because like, yeah. you could tell he was awesome, but like you, you had to use your imagination. So to go from that, to go from there into him sending, you know, his final proposed tracks from that he recorded with JJ, it was just like, Oh my God, this is all going to come together. Yeah. Like as soon as he sent the first one, we were just like, Oh, I totally understand what he was trying to convey with the idea in the demo. And now it totally makes sense. Right. You know? Yeah. So that was cool to see it mm-hmm. all come together. And then he sent the, you know, the clean files over to Kurt. And then Kurt was the one who, you know, quote unquote, produced right. the drums. Um, yeah. But I mean, it all started with, with I mean, JJ's recording was just incredible with the drums. Yeah. And they're, yeah, they're like, their selection of the, the, you know, which drums they were going to use for each song and uh, I think you know switching things out at certain points lots of overdubs mm-hmm. and Nick just going in with a vision knowing like you know he wanted like a you know we, we can get into it when we hear some examples but he definitely wanted like, some big Phil Collins yeah sound I can hear that in there. Yeah. And, like, massive concert toms and it's just you know he didn't just bring a killer performance but like nick and with jj's help like had a very strong production vision for what the drums should be and we we definitely talked about it in advance with him like he was like well what, what sort of drum tone do you guys like what are some examples and we, we gave him some references like um that killing joke album with dave Grohl on drums like that was a mm-hmm. big reference point for me and we had, we had lots of other stuff but um but i 
point is like Nick and JJ just both really killed it with their their vision on how the drums would, would fit in with the songs and we're so happy yeah. with how that came together. And so you haven't even met Nick? No, never met him. I've seen him play live and we've talked to him a million times, but uh yeah. He, he had a uh, Nick and Michael had tickets to fly to Detroit uh, in March of 2020. Uh, yeah. We were all going to like oh, hang no. out and practice for a long weekend. And then, you know, shit hit the fan a, a, about a week before that or two weeks before. And so we still haven't seen it. Oh, man. We were joking that now That's it'll crazy. be like, you know, at least 2022 probably before we all get to hang out. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then, but just to go back to what you you were asking about, and then Tony also recorded his own vocals, yeah, um, himself. And then uh, he sent them over to his buddy Ben Chisholm, who kind of like did a bunch of pre-production on the vocals and also just vocal effects and stuff. Mm-hmm. Sent that over to Kurt, and then uh, I pre-recorded all of my synths just direct in um, in my home. Also, right. quotes home studio, yeah. which is consists of like my synths and a audio box and my laptop. Mm-hmm. There's not really a studio, but like, um, so I think the point Hamilton was trying to make is that basically everything but the guitars and the bass guitar came to came to Kurt, and then he, you know, so we tracked that stuff the first couple of days, but then really it was just a mixing project, right? Yeah, mixing production. We mixed it for like 12 days or 13 days or something. Wow. Um, Lots of mixing time with us on the couch behind behind Kurt. Yeah. Driving him crazy. Yeah. Wow, that's that's uh, a really cool story. One last name i got to throw. While we're talking production details, Zach Weeks uh, works with Kurt Ballou. He's Kurt's, uh, you can call him his assistant, but he's he's, an engineer and producer in his own, you know, on his own. And, um, He's uh, mm-hmm. very talented, and people will be seeing his name more and more on releases coming out of God City. Uh, he he was uh, he was awesome to work with as well. So oh, that's great. And I have one more shot. Yeah, I have one more shot, which is Heba Kadri, who who mastered the record. Oh yeah. Who, Heba, uh, sorry, who was it? Her name's Heba Kadri. Okay. She, she's a mastering engineer, and she did a really great job mastering it. And. I just wanted to mention that because mention that, yeah. mastering engineers never get any love. Never. And she's, she's really talented. And yeah. it, the, you know, the master version sounds quite different from the sure. original mix. Yeah. So. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah it sounds great. I mean, I, I got the, the record right when it came out, and it sounds amazing. I uh, recently invested in a pretty high-end turntable and system, and I saved that record to be my first listen. And uh, oh, wow, thank you. Shit. yeah, it, it sounds amazing. And I mean, and the packaging, the, the whole thing is so beautiful. And it, I always loved what you guys did with the artwork. Like the cover of Dead Mountain Mouth is one of my favorites. I mean, it's just, there's just something so evocative about it. Um, and of course, Board Up the House too, like all the colors. And this one kind of really fit, in my opinion, like along with those. It's so, it's, it is dreamlike, but it's, it, it really stands out. I mean, you don't see records that look like that. Uh, the color choices are amazing. The packaging's great. Yeah, just really impressed with the whole thing. So I've actually been listening to that record quite a bit. It's uh, been awesome. a constant rotation for sure. And wow, thank you, you so much, very much. Even my wife and kids like it, and they don't like much of anything <laughs> I listen to. So. No way. Great. Yeah. Yeah, this... This one's better. Uh, you can play this one for your grandma. Yep. And- <laughs> yeah. yep. Uh-huh. Well, cool. Well, shall we play it for our grandmas right now and listen to it? Let's, Let's do it. play okay. it. Let's cue it up. There it is. Yeah. I'll start this by saying, uh, welcome to the mind of Michael Suchinski. <laughs> <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? It's just definitely a collaborative effort. Not just me. Although this introductory track was all me. Yeah, this one was. It was like we went into the studio without without an intro. We knew we needed one. We each had, you know, messed around with a couple ideas. But then one night, Michael was just like, I don't know, just came to him and was like, Yeah, what if I use this melody 
from the end of that other song that's going to be on the album and put down a new bass line on it and have this beautiful rising layer of noise. And yeah, like, and yeah. The, the rising layer of noise is actually like 12 years old. It's like from an old MP3 that I did. Oh, I oh that. that's right. With the synth that I sold and don't even have anymore, but I had the file. That's right, and it wasn't even a wave file. It was yeah, it was MP3. That's... <laughs> I love that synth the, tone there. The wah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was That's... one of the. Go ahead, Michael. Oh, I was just gonna say it's uh, Dave Smith Instruments Prophet Rev Two is the synth that I used. Okay. Not that not that anyone cares, but we do. Um, we care. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, and that was the sound. I, I think pretty much all the synth sounds on this song are from that synth. Okay. Um, Hamilton, what were you going to say? Oh, this was one of the... This was among the first things we worked on for the album, was like this, this song. And I was thinking in particular the drum beat that you hear in the verse. It's... Um, yeah. I like program, I came up with the little, the main beat that you hear for so much of the song, mm -hmm. but I didn't really know what to do with it. And so one day Michael, who had the beat, you know, I'd sent it to him. He added these like program claps and the bass stab and it just turned it into like its own magical different thing. Yeah. That's how so many ideas work with us. Like one of us will have a really small idea and the other will take it, play or something with it or, you know, flip it around or change it, turn it into something new. Yeah, I love the bass stabs on this part too. And then this uh, this chorus, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out in the studio because it kind of had a lot of different iterations and then we finally settled on this vibe. Um, so that was a little bit challenging, but I think it came out really good at the end. Yeah, I was actually, we were adding new guitar tracks like two days before we finished the album mm -hmm. to this chorus. Yeah, this was like the like the most problematic part to finish. We finally got it. Like, and then this is an example of where Nick, just his drumming is just so killer. Yeah. Um, like that, that fill like, there, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't, yeah, like he, Michael, isn't this one where like, he definitely changed what, what we had. Oh, yeah. completely, completely. Yeah. Like, the, whatever I had programmed there before just was horrible. I actually listened to it a couple weeks ago and I was like, oh, God, <laughs> forget about it. That's the benefit yeah. of having, like, a real drummer that's actually, like, schooled yeah. on, on it rather than somebody, you know, programming. It's a, it's a totally different thing. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and then I'm pretty stoked on these had since mm -hmm. that come in. Um, and then, yeah, and Tony's vocals sound sick. Yeah. Yeah, the vocals on this track, especially, I thought were really, really awesome. It was a, a, you know, tough line to walk, like for us to have melodic vocals like this that we were comfortable with. Yeah. And we ended up really liking, and it's like, I just think that Tony really, um, I don't know, like it's human, but also like kind of robotic and it kind of sounds a little yes. alien too. Um, mm -hmm. and, it, and it's kind of unsettling. And uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have known how to describe that or how to even come up with anything like that. But, no. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool what he did. And then uh, coming up at this point, I just want to point out a drum thing. So I, we'd ask Nick, oh, you know, this part's cool, but the drums are just doing the same thing. Maybe you could like add some fills or spice it up. And he, he ended up coming back and he's like, I'm gonna just send you guys some overdubs. And he sent them to us when we first got them. We were like, kind of like, what is this? <laughs> Here it is. And then, yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, I don't know if you can really hear them here, but oh, yeah. it's just this whole subtle addition. Yeah. And now it's like one of my favorite moments, you know, parts yeah. in that yeah. moment where it's just this little subtle addition that like really takes things up builds it. Yeah. And you know, the, the idea behind that whole last part was like having it 
build and build and then crescendo and sort of having it happen before you even realize it. And right when you're like, you're like, oh shit, this is getting kind of intense. You're like, okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Love this part. Yeah. This is this was called the, the Terminator part. Yep. The Terminator, Terminator chords. <laughs> then Michael, didn't you say recently it's actually not Terminator? You feel that it's uh, I mean it was never literally Terminator. Yeah. But as a reference point, you said Clockwork Orange was more accurate. Oh yeah, it does kind of sound like Clockwork Orange, yeah. I haven't seen Clockwork Orange recently enough to Yeah, me either. It's got a very good soundtrack. Yeah, I like this because the, the vocals aren't quite as affected. So it's it's kind of like very dreamlike and almost like shoegaze mm -hmm. for a while. And then it's like, this is more almost like traditional vocals. Yeah. And it really stands out it's more. It's kind of, totally. It's like it breaks down and yeah. it's more exposed. starts the next song i remember there was lots of discussion about oh that my swell. God, so much discussion about this well we call it the tumbleweed because it just passes by yeah what was the discussion just if you should have it or yeah if you should have it how long it should be whether it should come and go away or if it should just cut off right away and yeah this should be it's kind of a little unusual to have the feedback swell and then disappear yeah um <laughs> Usually you just have it swell and then the song starts kicking your ass. But I don't know how we got the tumbleweed idea. It just happened. I just got a tape yeah. like that and you I think you're like, I like that for your tape. Yeah. And then this song is is has a cool backstory, which is that it's got the material that's the oldest of anything. So Hamilton wrote these riffs in like 2008. Okay. Yeah. He had them around forever. It sounds like he's kinda old school Hamilton. Like these parts here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, ironically, is this the right use of ironic? I don't know if I, I never know how to use it. The riffs literally right here were the last ones I wrote for the song. Like okay. In the, yeah. the last couple months before we recorded. Yeah. Well, and also the main verse riff uh, was a, a recent riff. But the, uh, the chorus riff. It here. also it started with the chorus riff. Yeah. Like. That riff is like June 2008. Yeah. Same with like the drum vibes here. Yeah. I was just going to say, I have to give Nick another shout out here because the fills. Well, really, this whole song, the, the drum performance in this whole song is yeah. extremely it's powerful. Insane. It's I think it's a great uh, representation of this record as a whole, mm. in my opinion, this song, and just especially like. Hey, we're not what we used to be. We've evolved. Here's something new. And I think especially like the drumming is a key aspect of that. And I think this song shows that very strongly. This, I love this. This is all Hamilton here. Well, literally and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is along with that this is chorus, just guitar, this right whole here. like <laughs> Yes. It's like the, the, the riffs here and the drum beat and like the synths that come in, uh -huh. not the sounds themselves, but the synth melodies. Those, all this stuff was also summer 2008. Okay. Like this whole bridge, yeah. So very old part of the album, but you know, Michael said we had a lot of fits and starts, but every two or three years when we talk about what to use, like I never got tired of this. I was just like, I, wanna, I still want to use it. And so. Yeah. After like 12 years, we still wanted to use it. So that's awesome. Maybe we'll well, that's the sign years. of a good part then. Yeah. And, and I went back and one of these synth sounds was from like Hamilton oh, sent yeah. his original demo in 2008. And I like at some point in 2008, like tried to put some synths on it. 
and I think most of them sounded terrible, but I, th that one that sort of creeps in in the right channel, I don't know if you can, one of the atmospheric synths, mm -hmm. I really liked. And I went and found my uh, like old Mac laptop that were like, the, I don't know if you know this, but like the batteries will like pop out of old Macs. <laughs> yeah. And the battery popped out, but it like still works if you have it plugged in. And I was able to retrieve the, the track of that synth nice. and use it. Um, yeah. Because that, that seemed easier to do than to try to recreate the sound. Yeah. Dude, and it worked. Like, so that's, is that the oldest sound on the album, that creep, the creeping? Yeah. yeah. It's the right channel creeping synth. It's mixed. Yeah. It's very subtle. You can't, probably yeah. can't even hear it unless you really yeah. focus on it, but. I can hear it right now. Oh, yeah. uh, wait. You hear it like in these intervals, like. Uh, never mind. No, you can't hear it anymore. <laughs> And then we just totally missed Nick's drum solo, but next time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think this song, another thing that I'm really happy with how this song came out was that like this end part in the beginning, it's, it's very heavy, but it's like a totally untraditional production for what heavy is. Like yep. it's a little, almost a little bit disorienting about the, what's making it heavy because it's actually not very harsh sounding. It's like pretty right. warm sounding. And yet there's like 15 things going on right now. Like, and that's what I was trying to say earlier is like really like the drums right here is what's making it super heavy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we definitely made a point with the, especially during mixing to just go for like, I don't know, rounder, warmer tones, mm -hmm. like smoothing out some of the sizzle and making things more velvety. Those are all the technical terms. Yeah. Smooth, sizzle, velvet. Smooth, velvet, sizzle, yeah. Mm -hmm. Zero crash symbols in the entire record. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we were, I was like, we were literally, you know, after I got into Peter Gabriel a couple of years, years ago, my, my wife started listening to him a lot and I started really liking him. And, um, I learned that on a couple of his early albums, he was like no symbols and no symbols. I definitely like had it. No symbols, yeah. On Peter Gabriel, at least number three and number four. Weird. His third and fourth self title. And uh, they're such good albums. Anyway, it had an impact on thinking about symbol arrangements. Yeah. But now we need to talk about this song. Yeah, so what's this up is with another this song? one that Mike. This is another Michael piece that he came up with while we were in the studio. Um, we knew we needed an intro and an interlude. And if Michael, if I recall correctly, you had like these melt like the core melodies that existed for a while, but not the production, not the tones. And one thing that's really cool that um, is that that like that shimmery, the shimmery melodic sound you're hearing is a sample of like a stretched out sample of Kurt Ballou playing like. Um, playing guitar like doing like some ambient guitar noise oh wow that's cool so like he had a slide mike like a metal slide and he was scraping it against the i don't even remember what he was doing but he was coming yeah. up with like beautiful loud guitar noise and just getting mm -hmm. into michael okay yeah he just sent me all the snippets and then i cut them up and edited them and reversed them and stuff like that and because it sounded the original version sounded too synthetic and synthy and so mm -hmm. that was a way to make it all sound a lot more organic and live and stuff yeah it sounds great and then this is the first demo that we finished so this was the one that we wrote in 2000 end of 2018 i think we finished it actually like christmas 2018 and so you know this being the first demo was kind of a sign of what i think the rest of the album mm -hmm. was going to be like we didn't immediately say oh now we have to write more songs like this or anything but um, yeah, and then incidentally, these are also the first vocals that Tony sent us. Okay. He was like, um, which totally threw us for a loop. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I love these vocals. Um, and I just think they're really creative. Um, 
and like I thought the song, I thought this part of the song was just going to be like an instrumental electronic part. I thought it was done. I didn't think there was room for anything else. And then of course he's like, no, you, there's like a whole other thing that you, yeah. that's missing. There. Yeah. Do you think there'll ever be opportunities to play live? Yes. Yeah? <laughs> yes, but there's nothing, uh, we're not holding anything secret under wraps. There are no plans right now. Okay. But, but it's, it's something that's on your radar at some point? It's some, yeah, it's something that we want to make happen. Yeah, nice. Yeah. We have plans to talk about making plans. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, we all really want to make it happen, but it's just, we're not quite there yet. Yeah, logistically, it's, yeah. It's hard, it's hard to, like, I don't think any of us are in a position to do, like, a full U.S., so it's hard to justify the amount of work it would take to not suck yep. for, like, a weekend of shows. So we're trying to figure out what makes sense, and because more than anything, we just want it to be a totally kick-ass show. Yep. Yeah. Do you guys remember when the last Gangastron show was? Yes. Five, five dates with Converge in Australia in uh, the spring of 2010. Oh, wow. Okay. So the very last show, I think, was... I always mix them up. It's either Melbourne, Melbourne. or Brisbane. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then Nick's drumming is just off the chain here. Yeah. Yeah. And here come the, here come the Collins fills. Yeah. Oh, it's totally Collins. <laughs> during during mixing, we actually slightly pitched some of the toms to get, to make it more dramatic. Yeah. Oh, okay, nice. Just just for that fill. Right. I love this part too. So so this was the very first part that Hamilton wrote. So this is literally the first thing for this album. Oh, wow. and Hamilton, okay. Hamilton, even though it's not a synth, Hamilton wrote it. And the drum beat, uh, Nick rewrote the drum beat. So this isn't the original drum beat, but. Um, and then Hamilton and I were hanging out, and I started messing around with chords that are coming into the left channel. And then putting these chords over that melody that we were both just like, okay, this sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we just wanted it to keep going and going. like. And, you know, actually, Michael, I mean, the song used to be longer, and Nick and Tony can Nick and Tony made us shorten this song. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And of yeah, course, now that, now that, like, now that I've got distance from it, I'm like, damn, it's like, it's man, happy for it. It's, it's only seven minutes. Yeah. I mean, it, you could, yeah. it should be like 15, 16. <laughs> well, we got the next song for the 11 minute track. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this part used to be 20. 20 different unique chords that never repeat. And <laughs> I was forced to cut it down to 16 chords that never repeat. How do you choose? Yeah. <laughs> we ended up just, it was ended up being completely fucking random. I th at the time I thought it was like, I could bear to like change the progression. Right. It's like Sophie's And chance. then I just, I just randomly cut out like 12 through 16 and then forgot what those chords <laughs> right. were like a day later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was with Michael, I was like, we can't cut it, we gotta have all 20 chords. And, and Nick and Tony were like, we didn't even know there were 20 chords. Like, that's not what matters at this point. Yeah. Like, there are vocals going on. We're like, okay, fair enough. So, and, and, and Tony was like, and by the way, I think you're only playing two notes. So technically that's not a chord, that's a dyad. And I was just like, fuck oh. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember writing this rhythm by the fire in your us writing it together by the fire in your uh, in your house, Michael. It's just like just playing a random rhythm until we came up with one that worked. Yeah, meaning the, the guitar rhythm. The guitar rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like the production choice here. It's like that could have been like not like I'm a sugar riff, but you could have made it like a chug chug part and it would have sounded so stupid. That would have been pretty um, bad. Yeah, thank you, Hamilton, for not doing yeah. that. Yeah, it's no problem. I appreciate it. Um, 
I was like, yeah, I've said this before, but it's like, yeah, I'm like, you know, writing Board Up the House and I was 23 or 24, and now I'm it's like, yeah, I'm okay to just come in for the last two minutes of a seven-minute song and just play literally one note very quietly. <laughs> that's fine. And like, I'm just completely happy with that because that's what the song needs. Yeah. So. You do what the song needs. What kind of guitars are you using on this record? Um, mostly my... Uh, where is it? I was thinking... Uh, oh, wait, it's right behind my head. The oh, yeah. first act, Lola, uh-huh. um, and Gibson Les Paul. Okay. But mostly the, the first act, Lola, and uh, which first act is a Boston-based guitar company. I think they're I've defunct now. Like they made, okay. they made like Walmart guitars, and then they had a custom shop that made like badass, really cool custom wow. guitars okay. for um, lots of lots of bands. But uh, yeah, really great guitar. And then I used a handful of Kurtz guitars for different parts. I needed something like twangier, yeah, Telecaster type guitar. Yeah, is he in Seattle? Uh, Kurt. Yeah. No, Kurt is in Salem, Massachusetts. For some reason, I thought he was in Seattle. Huh. Okay. He has, um, he has tracked. He's come out like he travels sometimes to record. Maybe that's why I was. And thinking. I know he's he like the one of the. Or one or more of the Sumac albums, and then he's actually recorded in Washington. Right. Okay. And some other bands too, probably. Yeah, I think he did a Giant Squid record in Seattle too. Ah, okay. So is this the long song? This is the long song on the record. Yeah, and this is the one that Relapse was like, this should be your second single. We're like, okay. Yeah, we were stoked because we were like, well, it can't be. They wanted us to say, all right, guys, what do you think the three singles should be? Yeah. And we ruled this one out just because it was 10 and a half minutes. Yeah. But they were like, no, we think that one actually should do it. So wow. we're pretty stoked on That's that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, 10 minutes for a single is kind of unheard of. Well, these t- days too, it's like, what is a single? It's just like the yeah. single is just the song that people can listen to in advance on Spotify, exactly, or yeah. YouTube, or whatever. Yeah. Speaking about uh, listening in advance and all that, um, how have the reactions been so far? I mean, the record's been out what two months now? Yeah, Something like two that. months. Yeah, I I haven't read too like I don't really read reviews or anything like that, so I, I have no concept of what people think of most things but uh, has reception been good i mean how are people accepting genghis tron in 2021 i would like i would definitely distinguish between like the the critical reception yeah like as far as just reviews published online or in a magazine and then you know whatever youtube comments or whatever people are telling us on instagram two totally different things yeah yeah the critical reception has been almost uniformly positive okay Um, and you know, as far as I can remember, it's a couple of you know, uh, but yeah, you know, as far as like the what matters more, like for the what the people think, um, I think a lot of people are stoked on it. Some people are bummed that it doesn't have screaming and crazy <laughs> blast beats anymore. Um, yeah, and for some people, that's all they wanted. So, but those, for those same people, they'll come back in like a month and be like, "Oh, this album fucking rules." I don't know what I was thinking before. Yep. Like, yeah. I think I also think a lot of our fans, the vast majority of our fans, like their musical tastes grew just as ours did over the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, there of course some people, I guess, who are only still listening to like spazzy hardcore music from the mid 2000s. But I think most people, even if they still like that music or were hoping for that, they've also gone on to listen to a lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. and. I mean, it's 2021 like everyone listens to everything now no one like only listens to one kind of music yep. and so there's no like genre allegiances anymore so i think most people were like ready to see what we were up to yeah yeah and and, and roll with, and roll with it and and like you said i think a lot of people also could feel the dna was still there mm-hmm. yeah. um, and that that kind of clicked for them too yeah but i'm basing that all on one sentence comments on YouTube. Sure. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I haven't talked to anyone in person about it. Yeah. It's funny too. Like 
I mean, now that it's out and we have some distance from it, I appreciate that Yet is really different in a lot of ways from our previous releases. But I really, when we were in it, I didn't appreciate that very much. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's different, but it sounds like it's obviously this all just sounds like James Tron still. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not everyone, not everyone feels that way. It's interesting. So I, I, I appreciate the DNA comment too. I mean, that's 100% how we feel because uh, we're in it. It's right. like the same kinds of melodies we've always had very similar kind of rhythms that we've always had and the ways that we're like you know interlocking guitars and synths and drums mm-hmm. but just like you can hear it better and you know a lot of the parts go on for longer and we're yeah. focusing on different things yeah like i would have been stoked if you guys did another spastic record too but i i love this just as much you know like i i listen to a wide variety of stuff and I still listen to a lot of metal and grindcore, like, you know, every day. So either way is great with me. I just love (laughs) the work that you guys do. It doesn't matter if it's abrasive or dreamy or whatever. Um, So I've I've been totally stoked on it. And I think a lot of other people feel the same way. Thanks, man. I think maybe it just was a a little bit of a shock for some people. You know, they're just like, because nobody really knows what to expect when you've been just MIA for 10 years. Also, I think this part is like kind of heavy. Maybe yes, it's just it a little heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Dude, Nick up here. Yeah, Nick left loose here. So good. And am I hearing screams in the background there too? You are. Yeah, okay. you are. This next part, not so heavy. Well, you can't have that's okay. the light without the dark, right? Exactly. That's true. Exactly. Uh, lyrically, What's going on? Is there like a theme going on here or is this did Yeah, the the, the, the loose theme is sort of about um the it just sounds almost pretentious talking about it, but it's you know, loosely about the end of humanity on the planet and coming to terms with that and finding beauty in in accepting that and uh, letting the planet heal itself without humans continuing to do what Mm -hmm. they're doing. Yeah. Which is a little bit morbid, but it's also kind of uh, beautiful. Very appropriate for these times, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, COVID's the least of it. Yep. <laughs> you know a little something about the piracine up there in Portland area. Yep. About the, yep. you know, the fire stuff. It's, oh, yeah. It's dark. Worse and worse every year. We had to... Yeah, I mean... We didn't, we didn't have to evacuate, but uh, I had friends that had to evacuate for like a week and could barely breathe. Couldn't see the sun for days. Yeah. Like, you walk outside and you just choke on the air there's ash all over our house and you know it's just and it's, it's getting it's worse terrible. every year this some of these themes like that that lyrical theme was on our minds for board up the house like some of that album touched on that theme and mm-hmm. it's like it's it's just even more relevant now than it was in 2008 yeah unfortunately so this part right here, uh, I was trying to copy Queens of the Stone Age, bizarrely enough. Okay. I don't think it really. I'm not trying to copy, but that was my that was my inspiration. I could totally Wait, tell. Wait, how so? The the synth is just going. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There's like the very first song on the very first Queens of the Stone Age record. There's like that bridge where he like does that by turning off and on. Yes, the, like, the volume knob. The volume yes. knob on the, okay. on the guitar. And I was trying to recreate That's that with right. the synth. Um, regular John. What's that? Regular John is the name of that song. Yeah, yeah Regular John. That song's so good. And then I mean, I, yeah, I'll go ahead, Hamilton. I'm not ashamed to say I like still get like lost in the song when I listen to it. I still enjoy it, and I still for, kind of forget where where I am in the song. Just like uh, get into it. 
Yeah, there's a, this is definitely a headphone song. There's a lot to uh, listen for. Like, there's just a lot of secret layers in this part of the song. Yeah. Pretty sure Nick used a different snare for the second half of the song to get like a more 70s uh, kind of crowd sound. Do you guys have any plans for the future at this point? Musical? Yeah. Uh, definitely write more music. Okay, Hamilton, I'm waiting for the next demo. I wrote something this morning, but it's not yes. good enough yet. <laughs> Not good enough yet. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Is this the thing you wrote using that new program you were just talking about? Yes. It's exciting. Yeah, I, I need to start writing more music too, but... Well, I did write that one thing, which we have. Yeah. We've cool. the skeleton of the song already. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we still listen to a lot of heavy stuff too. It just didn't come out on this album. Yeah. Who knows? I like that when there's so many bands that are heavy and then they kind of mellow out and they stay that way. I like it when a band is like, yeah, this is mellow, but maybe the next one, like, who knows? Like, it's not like we've cut that part out of our lives or out of our work. It's just not manifesting on this record. And, totally. and I appreciate that greatly. Now this rhythm here, that's interesting. And especially what Nick's doing too. Yeah, that was that was all Hamilton came up with his original beat, and then Nick expanded on it. And uh, I'm told it's in seven, but I don't even know what that means. <laughs> you were told correctly. <laughs> and, then, and then Michael yeah. wrote this crazy ass melody on top of it. The, I mean, he wrote all of the melodies in this part, but I mean, the, the lead, the plucky sound is the one that I'm carving. Yeah, there's like this little this like plucky horn type sound comes in. Um, but yeah, this, I don't know, this was a really good example of Hamilton and I, like, I don't know, true collaboration, like, mm -hmm. Hamilton wrote this incredibly sick drum beat and then sat with me while I just fiddled on the synths. We actually did this one in person. Well, he wrote the beat first and then we were working on building it out in person and uh, he just sat with me while I fiddled around and came up with these melodies. And then, yeah, Nick's drumming is just absolutely insane. And, he, and so this is another example where he, he, he was trying to explain to us an idea through his demos. And on the demos, it just sounded not good, but like, we just had to have faith. Yeah. I knew, I, I knew it was gonna sound good. Yeah, I knew it was gonna sound good, but it did not make any sense in the demos. And then Nick sent it over, we were both just like, oh. oh thank you. So it's, it's, it's just like, it's just like Too fluttering busy. thing. The, yeah, this fluttering thing. Yeah, that thing in. right there, and then this crazy fill. Yeah. Wait, this is like up, this like upbeat kind of off. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain it. But... It's crazy. It's so tight yeah. too. Everything yeah. on this part is so tight. Well, it's like that right there is one of the most gangish, like old school gangish drum moments. It's sort of just total left turn. Mm -hmm. And now you're in a different it's electronic part, it's, yeah. it's all electronic. Yeah. yeah, and I would say that this whole part is also pretty pretty old school Gangastron. It's just like I don't even know how to what words to use, but like nineties warp records y. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like gl glitchy electronic stuff. Yeah, this could have been on like this passage could have been on yeah, this feels like yeah, this feels like part of the house to me. Yeah, speaking of uh, the older records, uh, I was pretty excited that Relapse reissued those uh, along with the new record. I didn't have those before, so I I snatched both of those up, and it was a real treat oh, to listen to them right. again. It had been quite some time since I'd listened to them, so that was awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for yeah, picking those up. Pick yeah, of course, thanks for picking those up. Yeah, uh, Dead Mountain, it's just like, 
I don't know. That one is too brutal for me now. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I can still listen to it, but it's crazy. Yeah, when I go back into that, one, I'm like, okay, this was this is really heavy. Yeah, yeah. It, those records are crazy. Like, I forgot how crazy they were. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. <laughs> Yeah, we could try to do that again, but I just don't think it would end well. Maybe. That's why we wouldn't do that. We'd have to we, we'd be doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. Slayer covers. Do an EP exactly. of Slayer covers. Exactly. That's right. All pre-Rick Rubin Slayer. Yes. Just kidding. <laughs> Oh, that's that's yeah, last okay, track. Last track of the record. Last kind of quickly. This is our John Carpenter moment. Yeah. <laughs> and then this one came together like. The, yeah, the origins of this song is like kind of too long of a story to even tell, but. It's a Frankenstein. It's total Frankenstein of like four or five different other song ideas that we had that we thought were going to be all different songs. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. True, true old school Gangastron fashion. We just mashed them all yep. together into one yeah. song. Um, but it, we we knew we were doing it. We we're like, you know, yeah, this is good. This is going to have a like in Kurt's words, not a A B A B C, but like A B C D E F G <laughs> kind of song structure. Yeah. We are like, you know what? Yeah, that's just what the song needs. And it's not really A, B, C, D, E, F, G, because there are choruses and things repeat. We haven't talked enough about Tony, I think. Yeah. He's, he's um, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to kind of put into words what I appreciate about what he, what he did, but he's just, he really nailed it came into like a band that he wasn't previously a part of and like helped us find a new voice uh literally and figuratively it was really cool yeah and he you know he was very explicit with us like i want to make your guys songs i don't know if he said more catchy but he's like i want to not get in the way of anything, but also provide something to grab onto if, if someone needs that. And I think he just did that perfectly. Yeah, like, I agree. He wasn't trying to be the center of attention or anything. But at the same time, like the vocals are almost always the most memorable part of each song, mm -hmm. uh, or at least certain parts of them. His his vocal lines are are very catchy. The the melodies that he comes up with too are. I mean, he did exactly what he was saying. Like they're they're very memorable, very mm -hmm. catchy. And they add like a whole new dimension to it that you didn't really get from Genghis Tron before. And I think that's really awesome. Yeah. Stuff like that makes me so happy. Just like the heavy guitars and the synth and ah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to write another song like this. We just gotta figure out how to do it. It was fun tracking guitars for this part. Neurosis was definitely a reference point. Yep. I was like, I want to play a Telecaster kind of guitar and get like, you know, loud, more loud than distorted. You know, right. it's just kind of naturally breaking mm -hmm. up. Overdriven. Yeah. It's interesting because parts like this kind of make me think like oh this is kind of post-rock but then like a few minutes ago i'm yeah. like this is kind of kraut rock and a few minutes before that i'm like this is kind of shoegaze yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's that's i think that's all accurate and then yeah Ham this is hamilton wrote this cool little melody and then i retracted on some synth sounds mm -hmm. and that's right, dude. This is when we were in Joshua Tree and like uh, oh, together hanging out in 
2014 or 2015 or something. So yeah, there are bits and pieces on this album that stretch back. But I love that. I think like the grand majority of it was written in the last, you know, in the two years before you sure, recorded it. Yeah. And then I would say this part coming up after this part, the next part is definitely my top three favorite parts in the record. Um, Hamilton's riff is just like, I love, I love that riff that comes in next. And then Kurt helped a ton with this part, creating the, um, the emptiness and then coming up right here when everything comes in, it hits extra hard. Yeah. And Tony's vocal melody here is just, I don't know. Yeah, it's so great. I love it because this record, but with all Genghis Khan records, it doesn't sound like anything, but it sounds adjacent to so many things. Like, like I was saying before, but like this part, I'm like, this kind of reminds me of Alcest. And it's like, I feel like the whole time I'm just like, it doesn't sound like anything. It sounds kind of like other stuff. And I love that. I love it when a band can do that. That's, well, it's cool that you are saying that at least it sounds like us, but yeah, we're pulling from lots and lots of different influences. And it's also crazy to hear, like, like you said, Alcest, like, that's a band that I've, like, I'm familiar with, but like, more band that, like, I want to get into and, like, want to check out because I keep seeing it's, like, yeah, kind of relevant to other things that I'm into. But then to hear you say, oh, maybe that's, like, what they were referencing or maybe that's what it sounds like. Yeah, but, like, just that the vocals and the heaviness just make me think of Alcest. I didn't like this bass line. Michael convinced me that it was good. And so we kept Baseline it. Baseline rules. No, I do like it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. So it's literally the only time on the record when the bass has a line, so. Yeah, that's true. And then, let's just be honest here, this part sounds like Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> Among other things. Yeah, that's a night. And Michael, this just makes me want to write more music, man. You better get on it. We need to, we need to get on that. <laughs> Have you listened so to thanks, this Jason. recently? Uh, I probably haven't listened to it for about a, like three weeks or a month or something. Okay. I listen to like a track here and there. Yeah. Um, but I definitely try not to over-listen to it. It's hard. Yeah, I've listened to it within the last couple of weeks. It's hard for me to listen to something after it's out. I tend to nitpick it and also tend to be yeah. really tired of it. So I've I've gotten past like the it's hard for me at first for the nitpicking reason. But then it's just like well, hold on. This is another one of those moments where like there's like subtle chugging in the right channel. One of several moments there like you can't have that be loud. It's just kind of sound funny. <laughs> Let's turn it down so quiet that now no one can hear. Yeah. Are you even on this record, Hamilton? Like, I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah, I'm around. I'm hanging out. But I was saying, I've, I've um, oh yeah, and so that's also that melody that we're fading out on. It's the same melody that starts the album. Oh, nice. Okay. Bookends. Exactly. So if you're laying down in your bed listening to this record, you don't, and you have it on repeat, you don't even have to get up to listen to it again. That's right. That's right. So that's the record. Now what happens? Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's so we it. We gotta go write another one now. Yeah. Yeah, you guys gotta get on it, I guess. 
is that yeah. basically the next step? Keep writing, see what happens from there. No other plans than that at the moment. That's, it has to be. Yeah, that's that's the first priority. And, uh, you know, we're busy. We got stuff going on. Um, but uh, it's always there in the back of my mind. Yeah. Not too far. It's so very it's hard to write stuff that doesn't suck. Yeah. Yeah. It's very hard. Even if you have a good idea in your head, it's very hard to translate it into something that doesn't just sound like a loop or like i don't know it's very hard to make it feel come alive and feel like a song as opposed to just like an idea that's looping i don't know how to explain it but Mm -hmm. so you kind of just have to keep trying and eventually certain things break through and click and then you're like okay that i could see that being a song that doesn't suck yeah 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 creative process is really hard yeah, it is. Michael, I remember in some of the early days, like we'd finish an album and we'd be hanging out with Kurt and he'd say, oh, you know, why don't you just like write a song in a day? Or like, you know, when we write an album, we just like jam for a month and write an album. And sometimes I'd think, you know, we should just make ourselves do that and see if it would mm-hmm. work. But then I, I don't feel that way anymore. I'm just like, this is our process. It just takes us like yeah. a couple of years of working hard to come up with a handful of songs. Like, that's okay. That's just how it's just how we do it, and so much of it, so much of what we do is like editing each other and you know weighing in on. Even if I don't touch something Michael does, he's just saying like, "Yeah, I like that. Yeah, like that part as much." Yeah. Um, That whole collaborative process that we have, it it takes a while, but um, so far it's led us in a good direction. Yeah. Nice. Well, cool. Well, thanks, guys. It, it won't take won't take thirteen years before the next one. That's what I keep saying. You will, so. or you won't. <laughs> well, not. Yeah, but we need to get on it. Yeah, Twelve years before the next one. I would like to do it in two to three years. Yeah, yeah. That seems doable, but also reasonable. Yeah, and a little ambitious, but doable. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Jason, thank you for having us, man. It's of course. So good talking to you. Yeah, it was good to catch up with you guys again. And again, congratulations yeah. on the record. I know, um, I mean, I had no idea that you, I, I just assumed you guys were gone, like forever. And then I remember on Facebook, you like updated a website or something like that and like had a notification. I was like, oh, that's really weird. And then you made some kind of cryptic <laughs> post about something. I'm like, what the hell? And a couple friends of of mine were like, "Are Genghis Tron coming back?" I'm like, "I don't know. Maybe, maybe they are." And uh, yeah, I'm really excited that that you guys released that record, and it's I love it. I love the record, and I'm uh, super happy to have you guys back in the music world for sure. Well, thanks for thanks having so us on, on your podcast, and you know, listening to the record and talking about it with us. It's fun. Yeah, it was great. Uh, take care, guys. I'll talk to you soon all right all right cheers cheers